0: everybody and welcome to a quarantine episode of Movie Mumble. Quarantine (laughs) episode. Typically a monthly movie exploration and discussion podcast where four friends take turns picking a film, watching it together and talking about it. This is going to be much more just broadly film about all kinds of films and much more discussion oriented. It's kind of going to be an entire episode of Joel's favorite segment,
1: the situational movie recommendations. Um, I'm gonna put so the theme usual, of it right here. It is, it is time for <laughs> another situational movie recommendations.
0: recommendations. <laughs> Although as usual, we'll see where the conversation takes us. Um, so there's no particular movie this month. There's no movie selector, but thankfully there are uh, four wonderful people here to fill your ears with joyful noise. I am, yeah, again, thankfully, via technology, we can all be together. I'm here with Joel Lewis. Howdy. Tim Gerard. Hello. And Zeke Perez.
2: Hi. Ah, I like it. Hi. So (laughs) great to hear your voices. (laughs) It's so great. Uh, Such a relief.
0: So this was kind of your idea, Joel. Do you want to take the reins and start us off? Or or do you want to just jump into recommendations or?
1: No, oh, for sure. I, I just thought we could, we can kind of discuss what we've been watching during the quarantine. Cause there's not a whole lot else to do. And we hope everybody's being safe. Everybody's social distancing or physical distancing and uh, wearing masks. Washing taking your the proper, fucking hands. Washing your fucking hands. <laughs> um, <laughs> there's been a lot of Boston accent on the internet recently, which is nice. I, I am enjoying that. Um, no, I just think it like we, those of us who are, are, lucky enough to be employed and those kinds of things like it it's it's a really tough time for everybody and something i'm enjoying and it's kind of giving me solace is being able to watch movies and stuff on netflix or hulu and stuff and Mm -hmm. listening to podcasts i was actually telling zeke and scott that like missing you guys i've listened to old episodes of this podcast so it's like (laughs) i have you guys running around in my head even though we haven't gotten to see each other which is only slightly psychotic so i was just thinking (laughs) we could talk about things that we've been watching during quarantine things that we've enjoyed and things that we could recommend to our listener hi noah um (laughs) (laughs) and uh we also needed another episode so (laughs) we had to make something happen
0: (laughs) as with so many other programs we needed to improvise
1: so Mm -hmm. so i was kind of thinking we could just uh just go around the 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 quad and name one and we could discuss it and then move on and kind of see how that goes if that works for everybody yeah i guess i could start Mm -hmm. um yeah yeah, (laughs) we could go in 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 choosing order oh yeah yeah, (laughs) in cycle order Yeah. yeah cycle order yes (laughs) i have no assurances that the the nuance of the whisper (laughs) out of control (laughs) i don't know if zoom's gonna pick all that up but i'm so glad that we're at least trying um (laughs) so the first thing like this this was a big kind of milestone um i finished watching star trek the next generation that was the first like week and a half Mm, i only had like two seasons tina and i started watching it like a summer ago and like kind of we really, really enjoyed it and then just kind of lost traction with it. And then as we started to being like having to stay home, I started watching it again and just episode after episode and episode. And that, that show is incredible. I, (laughs) I, I, I can find very little fault with it though. I did. Um, it seems like, I guess it was like a month before quarantine or uh, stay at home. It was in place. I went over to my friend Alice's house and we ended up watching the, the very first episode of Next Generation. And boy, howdy, is that a rough episode. <laughs> yeah. they, they have yeah. no idea what that show is yet. The pacing is really rough. And especially, it, there's this this little quality to how to uh, Patrick Stewart is playing Picard. It's this little bit of like, bitchy effeminateness and it's so oh it's so good you guys gotta watch it like it's so (laughs) it's so crunchy and it's like this could have been the lilt of how that character was played the whole scene and we i think i think it's a travesty we don't get to see that picard like that alternate universe picard i'm glad (laughs) with what happened but like watching that episode like this could have been a little bit more bitchy and it would have been fantastic So that was great. Like getting to watch that and kind of seeing one of my favorite storylines is how the Borg as an enemy kind of evolves and kind of deteriorates. So getting to see that kind of play out through the later uh, seasons and the finale, which I think is fantastic. Like a really good kind of, it it feels like modern television, that last finality finale. Because it's got kind of like three different storylines. It's kind of all in different time zone or time periods and, it's like Picard past, Picard future. It's really interesting and really strange how they tie everything together. So, that that's all on Netflix, and I I couldn't re- recommend it more highly. That that show is really spectacular. So, I watched that, and then kind of the first follow up to that was watching all of the uh, Next Generation movies, which was also really fun. They I think they executed those pretty. Pretty does, in line. Does generations
0: count as a next generation movie? Yes,
1: absolutely, it does. Okay. Yes, <laughs> that movie. I, that movie is
0: ridiculous. Ninety <laughs> percent of the time, that's the answer. But every so often, you get someone who's like, "No, that's a Shatner movie." <laughs> <laughs> <And you're>
1: like... <laughs> Sh- Shatner is is everything you want him to be in that movie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um, it's it's a Picard toned film. Yeah. If that makes sense, certainly.
0: Yeah. Uh, I've been watching Futurama, of all things, and oh, nice. I, nice. sort of like coincidence, I actually hadn't ever watched through Futurama before, I just I seen an episode here and there, yeah. and Sarah was like, ah, so whenever we finished whatever we were watching before that, I honestly couldn't tell you, um, we started watching Futurama, which is all on Hulu, and that was not long before. Covid nineteen showed up and everyone had to stay home, so we're still watching that. It's still happening. Uh, our schedules don't line up too much, so we don't get to watch a lot at once. But you know, we get through it, and it's been—it's just phenomenal. It, I'm sure you don't need to get another person to tell you how awesome Futurama is, but it's just—it's witty and it's smart when it wants to be, you know. And and it sort of—it remembers that it's just a dumb cartoon and doesn't need to take itself so seriously. And And remarkably, a lot of the jokes, especially with some of the early ones that are sort of new millennium-based technology jokes, have held up really well, just because they're, they're given in, like, broad enough strokes that... It just works because we still live in a world where computers exist, you know?
1: Gotcha. Is so that yeah, one where, that kind of a slow start? Because I remember starting it and watching like three or four episodes and just not getting into it. Sorry. It
0: almost seems like point. in the first few episodes, they intended to have a single larger overarching plot, maybe, Gotcha. That they were maybe going to get around to or maybe not, and then maybe going to end the show with or maybe not. And they finally just sort of... Picked up on that and went, No, you know what? We have a world that's great to be in and just tell episodes in. Let's just do that instead. And then they still bring back pieces of their old overarching plot in the more serious episodes, and it works really well, but left the show
2: freedom to breathe, I think. It was a wise decision. Yeah, a related note, I was going to ask. Um, so that's one of my favorites. And I think growing up, it's one that I saw, like you said, episodes just on Comedy Central here and mm-hmm. there, all out of order. Um, and then I went back and rewatched watched it. Uh, so I was going to see, did you feel different rewatching it from the start than you did just catching episodes here and there? Like anything different? I or- couldn't tell you because, I mean, catching
0: episodes here and there was maybe a total of nine episodes or ten and years ago. Gotcha. And I just never sort of, you know, TV as a thing, cable TV, vanished. I mean, God, nine years ago now, right? Basically vanished from my life nine years ago, except for when I'm like staying home with mom. So, Futurama never just passed mm-hmm. under my gaze after that, and I never gotcha. saw it out. So, I, I really couldn't tell you. This is basically my only impression of the show. Yeah, yeah. sorry. <laughs> oh, that's yeah, right. that's I awesome. You have a phenomenal question, but I can't answer it. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, I remember Futurama when I was in college, like my. You know, my roommate, I remember him telling me like, oh, there's a new show coming out by the makers of The Simpsons. It's like, oh, cool, we'll have to watch that. And we watched it like as it aired, like on TV at the time it aired. And that was sort of like my, my first experience with, with Futurama. Um, but I think it kind of fell off just because, you know, it's like one of those shows back in the day when you had to wait to a certain time to watch TV. When it went on break, you forgot to start watching it again when it came back. And I think after a season or two, we just forgot it existed. You know, and I've always wanted to get back into it. And at some point now, I, yeah, now that it's on Hulu, I do want to rewatch it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's all there. It's all beautiful. <laughs> it's arguably more beautiful than The Simpsons on Disney Plus, actually. Although, to be fair, The Simpsons' older episodes are older than Futurama to begin mm-hmm. with. Right. So I, maybe that's not a fair comparison, but. What about Hulu you in, in general ten? just seems, oh, sorry. sorry, just seems higher quality too. The sound balance on disney plus is a mess but that's a different topic no. so I'm maybe it's a hulu plus thing like
1: <laughs> between hulu and youtube and netflix like the the levels are crazy like it's yeah. nuts like right. Hulu, every time i boot it up it's like it's soft and i'm okay with it like I, I can dial it up but if i go from youtube to hulu at one point my eardrums is just gonna just shatter i don't yeah. know what that is somebody no somebody get on that what we watch on disney plus <laughs> the
0: dialogue is the quietest thing huge margin we have to crank the volume way up like triple what we have it on for hulu i'm not even kidding it's it's ridiculous so is
1: it triple or is it treble oh
0: (laughs) sorry (laughs) So i maybe when i say futurama is higher quality maybe it's just because it's on hulu i don't know but but it's beautiful and it's there so now is the time (laughs) all right yeah tim what are you watching (laughs) stop me so Okay. Well, and see what's funny too is like I feel like
3: last time, uh, I remember one point in, in, during one of the podcasts I brought up a TV show and it was like, "Oh no, like this is a movie podcast, not a TV show ah. podcast." And then so I had to think of all these movies, and now you guys are talking talk about TV, about shows. So far TV <laughs> shows. Okay, good. We're jumping into So, oh. so I do have some movies I picked out, but I I'd, I'd rather talk about some of the TV shows because those are the ones that I'm really like excited about. And then again, I was also like you know, do I build up to my favorite show? And so I think, just in case, because I don't know how many times around the square we're going to get to go, I'm going to start with the the thing that I've been watching that has been I don't want to say my favorite ever, but the favorite I think I've been watching now is Devs on Hulu. Um, I don't know if you've seen previews for it or heard anything I about it. So. It's the, with like, uh, Game Development. Nick Offerman. Um, well, it's 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 not a video game development. It's like it starts off very mysterious and you don't know this the first episode this one guy the main character gets into the devs department and you don't know what that is and just little by little you're just like holy shit like the way the world unfolds and it's 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 so cool because it's this really weird mix of this down-to-earth yet you know computer kind of sci-fi because they are dealing with like coding and like massive amounts of code and programs and you know algorithms and all this stuff that you know like i'm sure they're kind of throwing out certain terms and people who actually know how to do this stuff are like yeah that's bullshit but but also just like yeah being somehow like mystical you know and and the the music is fantastic like every episode i think i know kind of like oh this is what they're doing musically and then something happens i'm like oh, this is so cool. This is even better than last time, you know? And it's just like the mix of, of resources they draw on for music. Um, there's a, um, yeah, like they used uh, in this most recent episode that I watched. I, I have one episode left and I don't know if it's a series finale, if it was just one season or if it's just the season finale and it's coming back. But I have one more episode that I'm kind of saving because I don't want to leave this world yet. Um, but in the second to last episode, they used, uh, there's this piece by um, Steve Reich, who's a minimalist composer, And he took a recording and the name of the song is come out and he takes a recording of this guy saying, I think it had something to do with, there were, I think riots and looting, I think in LA or New York, I forget which one. And it was a guy saying how, um, and I think that the, the guy is black and he's saying how the police didn't believe that he had bruises. So he had to break the skin so that the blood would come out to show them. And, and the way he said it was so rhythmically, that uh, Steve Reich took a loop of it and it's it's, it's come out to show them, come out to show them, come out to show them. And then he ends up looping it and kind of phasing it and it creates all these really cool rhythms. So they use that like in the show, but then also mixed with this other music and that I think was like composed by the composer as opposed to using a pre-existing piece, but then there's this stuff with these like female singers and they're doing this really kind of gruff bass growling sounds and it's just like oh my god like so many different elements of all these things that I love and again that's just the music the story itself is also amazing which I don't want to give much away about because it, you know it is one of those like shows about like discovery and kind of twists and turns and stuff like that um, but but what's great too is though that the tech part of it doesn't get too in the way of the story. You know, you just kind of accept like, okay, here's this select handful of people who are who are brilliant and amazing coders and they're doing this thing. We don't know what they're doing or how they're doing it. And then you just kind of slowly find out what they're doing and that adds to the show. And it's just, there's more like, um, yeah, more like I said, twists and turns and just every second of it and like just visually, whether they're spending time in the location where the devs department is, or even just out in the world, um, and the phrase I keep thinking of is that web the YouTube channel you showed us Scott was it was it every frame a portrait
0: every that frame of painting. Of that,
3: that yeah. channel you, you showed us every
0: frame a painting yeah
3: yeah so and it's and it's so it's like that like just every second you're like I I kind of don't care what's going on with the story because I just love looking at it but also what's going on in the story is amazing and you have these moments of like you know uh revelation of what is going on with the story, but then also these like interpersonal relationships that are just so well fleshed out in the short amount of time you get to know these people, and just like every part of it, it's like so well crafted and so so well acted. Um, the the one criticism is there there are a few moments of some of the the I don't want to say which character too because I don't want people to watch it with a sense of like oh yeah that person isn't that great, but there are some, some awkward moments with, with delivery. And I don't know if it's like intentional, But but for the, for the most part, you know, it's definitely like forgivable because every other aspect is just so, so incredible. It's, it's so great to see Nick Offerman acting again, you know, because I watched the show um, uh, Making It and you see him, but he's himself, you know. Um, so to see this this completely different character that's so different from anything I've ever seen him play. Um, for example, in the first episode, he's, he's in a meeting with someone and he's eating his lunch and it's just a box of lettuce that he's just eating with his hands. And it's like, <laughs> And it's like, I guess you're eating the food oh. that you food eats. <laughs>
1: <laughs> is, is Reich doing all of the music for it or is it just that no, one? No, That was okay. just that one piece that I
3: think they just used, you know, used as, as uh, source music. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, the rest of it is, is all like, you know, mostly composed, unless it's also other things that I've just never heard before. Um, there are some pieces that I've heard that I think are references or, you know, kind of emulating the styles of other composers that I like. Um, uh, uh, Caroline Shaw she's a, a modern composer she's, she's still living and still like um, you know I think she's even in her like 20s 30s or 40s you know she looks around my age so you know she's not even someone who's in her 80s or 90s like um, a lot of the vocal music she writes um, some of what I've heard in the show reminds me of her stuff so I don't know if it's a piece of hers that I don't know or if they're just kind of emulating that style um but yeah, just every everything you listen to, you're just like, oh, this is so cool. Oh, wait, this is so cool. Oh, wow, listen to this. This is so cool. And it's just like every, every, every minute of the show has been like that. It's just like, um, yeah, like a, a, a wonderful journey of, you know, and I'm kind of, yeah, like I said, I'm sad to see it go. That's kind of why I'm holding off on watching the last episode. And I think it's only like eight episodes too. So it's not that long. I think they're about 40 to 50 minutes each, you know, so it's like, yeah. So definitely if you have Hulu, watch devs please. And
2: I hope you all love it. That sounds amazing.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. All right. Zeker.
2: Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I've been on devs. I will add that to the list. Um, and I'll keep rolling with TV shows too. I think we've done uh, a decent mix of some movies, some TV shows, but, um, I think definitely leaning towards shows. So, uh, yeah, I think to start the one that, um, I'm watching the most or, or I don't know, one of the, one of the highlights is the wire. Um, wow. I don't know what it yeah. says about me that all of my favorite shows are drugs, but that, <laughs> <laughs> of Breaking Bad and The Wire, um, I mean, they're all really good. And it's one that, you know, you hear about as one of the greatest TV shows of all time. Um, I haven't, you know, had the chance to ever see it. I think I was 10 or 11 when it came out, so I wouldn't have been watching it at the time. Um, it's not one I've had access to, but I've always wanted to watch, but it's on mm-hmm. prime now. Um, so checking that out. And I mean, it's really good. Uh, I'm trying to not compare it to Breaking Bad, which is my favorite TV show of all time. Um, I'm trying to give it its own run. And, it, you know, it holds up on its own for sure. I think it's, um, you know, you can tell from the get go that it's it's building to something bigger. And I'm starting to get to the point of the season where everything's starting to explode and, and uh, get to that point. So um, yeah, it's been a fun one.
1: Yeah, that's one I still haven't seen, but you you can't talk to anybody who has seen it and not hear it's one of the greatest shows of all time. That's (laughs) right. Yeah, I've actually been thinking about that one. Yeah,
0: I lost access to the service I was watching it on like five episodes in, and that was I obviously didn't think about it again until now, I think. But Mm -hmm. even just those first two
2: episodes were just brilliantly done. Yeah, And, and I. I'm lucky that I haven't, you know, with a show like that, that's so popular and been out so long, I'm lucky that I haven't really hit any major spoilers. Like I right. heard some of the catchphrases and some big characters and stuff, but I don't really know what happened. So I'm grateful for that. Um, my TV did try to sabotage me though. The one we have in the living room is kind of an older one. Um, one of my bosses actually gave it to me. Um, and, uh, but it's kind of, you know, it's older It loads up weird and, and some of the apps look weird. So, I started episode 10 and it played an ad and then started playing with some like uh, gruesome crime scene and everyone's freaking out. I'm like, that is not how episode nine <laughs> going on. So I backed out and it had started pa- playing episode 11, oh. I tried to start spoiling yeah. it for me. So I shut that down, went back, hit 10 again, played two ads, and then it started playing ap- episode 12. So all these years, no spoilers. <laughs> I'm trying to spoil it as I'm watching it. Um, figured out, got through 10. That was uh, an incredible um, and kind of shocking and sad episode. And then uh, on 11, or got through 11. So yeah, working through the back end of season one now, but really enjoying it for sure. Yeah, sounds great,
0: actually. We're all watching, except for Tim and devs, we're all watching old TV shows. <laughs> 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 i did I'll watch, watch some of those too <laughs> yeah true i did watch a movie though i think just the one i well two technically i saw onward in theaters because it was did one you of really onward was on my list, list too so i'm excited just, I didn't it's on disney plus right yeah. now so we've rewatched it like three times mm-hmm. absolutely phenomenal great! Okay. pitch perfect go watch it and then the thing i can talk about snowpiercer i saw for the first time just last week two weeks
1: so good. Um, I'm so glad yeah. that I got like the the yeah. as it was happening texts. Yes, yes. Like, <laughs> yes, it's <laughs> happening. <laughs> uh, so
0: in, the, the director Bong Joon-ho, who's, I guess that's how you say that. I don't suspect any different. Um, did Parasite, obviously, which exploded theaters very recently and also did Snowpiercer and then did a bunch of other films in Korean that kind of flew under the radar in the US because you know, they weren't American. But Parasite was my first experience with him. And it was absolutely incredible. And so I just was like, I was sitting on my computer one day and I came across one of those arbitrary, you know, Netflix films to watch in quarantine list. And I scrolled through. There was a bunch of stuff I'd seen and a bunch of stuff I hadn't. And Hitting Snowpiercer was just the one that was like, you know what, that's, that's the mood I'm in. I'm watching that one. So I went over to Netflix and booted up and it was also pitch perfect, I just, it's, it's brilliant. And I've only seen two of his films so far, but everything about both of them is phenomenal. I mean, the, the blocking, the staging, the sets, the performances he pulls out of his actors, but the thing that really leaves the best taste in my mouth just personally is the pacing. His pacing is just unbelievable. The way he can build and climax like a real length it's not just a single event you know it's a chunk of the film and then post climax you know he really lets you down like smoothly on a slope there's no just ah climax happened ah film's over toss in some dialogue about resolution and roll credits like it's you know the whole thing is every moment of story is important and treated well and he really takes you and holds your hand and walks you through the entire film And he doesn't just give you the peak of the film and then go Ah, so what'd you think he he gives you the peak of the film and then keeps walking with you all the way to the end and it's just phenomenal Have we almost seen, went
1: sorry we but I, I almost went and
0: watched more of his films right after Snowpiercer and I only stopped myself
1: because I didn't want to get burned out So mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I remember that text you sent me it's like maybe I should just watch all of these it's like no but you should watch Moon though yeah <laughs> that was also on that list and I, I oh Moon is so good it. Moon is so good yeah I would actually prefer Interstellar.
0: I want that to be next, but I, I can't still need, find I need it anywhere to see that too. Without having to pay for it. So
1: right. I'm gonna delay. Have we all yeah. seen Snow I have. Zeke hasn't yet. Okay. Tim has okay. not. No, yeah. All right. Yeah. Good, good avoiding spoilers. So good yeah. you should watch it. <laughs> yeah, that's on
2: Netflix. Easy to go. Yeah. With nice i'll check that out
1: yeah all right i'm gonna jump yeah. in here or i guess if we wanted to talk more about snowpiercer without spoilers tim did you have something
2: i was just
3: gonna say when you brought up moon the other thing that i that i kept wanting to and i've watched this a while ago but as a as far as a recommendation i won't talk about it but um the other one by the same director's moon is mute which as far as i know oh, yeah. is still on netflix that's right that right movie I think so, yeah. yeah. And it's it's um it's got the oh, guy really? I forget his name, but he's yeah. I think he's one of the scars guards. Oh, Paul rudd okay. and uh, Justin Thoreau, and uh, it's it's so good, yeah. Have
0: Especially you seen, if you liked Moon. Have you seen any of Altered Carbon, Tim?
3: Not yet. No, it's, okay, it's yeah, on I my know, list Altered too. <laughs> Carbon and Moon
0: were both coming up around the same time. Yes, yeah. And everybody absolutely. was talking about them both. And I watched Altered Carbon, and I got. I don't know. It just, I mean, it was very good, but it just wasn't mm-hmm. holding my attention. Like I found myself mm-hmm. constantly like doodling or going back to my phone or whatever while I watched it and still having right. fun and still enjoying it, but wasn't quite as grippy as I was hoping for a sci-fi TV show. So that kind of spoiled me mm-hmm. on you because it was, everyone was talking
1: about them in the same breath. See, Altered Carbon Got came it. out like shortly after Upgrade. I've still not seen oh, either right. of them, but I, in my head I keep mm-hmm. confusing the two because a very similar right. like like storyline or like yeah. subject matter.
0: Yeah. Uh, see, so that's because I have upgrade and I love it. So I yeah, I find that in your, that your recommendation, that, too. Tim. I think I need to give mute a chance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, especially Scott, I think
3: you would like it because it, it has this noir vibe and it's in a future world, but where it's sort of you know kind of timeless characters living in a futuristic world not hey look at all of our fancy space technology you know it's just like they're just there they're living in the world but it's it is gritty and it has that sort of oh look here's a bunch of fluorescent stuff over here but underneath it there's this darkness and there's grittiness and there's shitty people and you Mm -hmm. know and and the story is kind of kind of timeless you know and and and, you know again just like the the actors are, are incredible and like the way the story plays out and um and there actually is a moon reference um which i think really? you, you you might have to have seen moon to get the reference maybe maybe yeah. not um but i remember seeing that and i was just like ee!
1: <laughs> is it like a thing like they are in the same universe or is that spoiling it i mean don't say don't say like that, the, yeah, the indecision is is enough yeah. of an answer and it's, and it's
3: not a huge thing it's, it's more of like an easter egg it's not like it's a sequel right. necessarily like the
0: director isn't
1: specifically saying that yes these are the same gotcha like, yeah so, just because like, like,
2: Moon,
0: Moon,
1: moon's thing is so like big that like yeah any kind of subtle reference to it would be a big th- anyway sorry <laughs> right yeah and
3: i and i think that i think you know i i kind of i mentioned that, like oh you guys should see moon first so that you kind of appreciate the reference but i don't think the reference to moon spoils anything about moon i think it's more just like you know if you watch it you'd kind of just miss it if you or at least mm-hmm. if you've seen a trailer to moon you know and you know kind of like you know whatever, um, but it's, yeah. So anyway, it's just a fun little thing, and it doesn't really disrupt the story. It's just kind of you know in the background. You're like, oh look, you know. But yeah, it's 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 so good.
2: Nice. Can we talk about onward some more before moving on? Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh,
3: I don't know. I haven't seen it though, so no spoilers. Okay, oh yeah, I'll keep it.
2: I'll keep it. Then none of you <laughs> yeah. have seen it.
3: Oh, I've, I've seen, it. seen it. Yeah. Oh,
2: okay. Right. Uh, just I, did you? You said that was uh you saw that in theaters, Scott? Yeah. Mm-hmm. At the Alamo. Yeah, that's. Was, it's sad to say, cause, yeah, I, I, but because I missed the movies, but yeah, that's the last one I saw in the theaters too before. Wow, mm-hmm. everything shut down. Yeah. So I was glad to see they added it to to plus so quickly. Um, mm-hmm. I watched it twice more since then. I mean, it's just a really good one. Pixar, yeah. never misses. So
1: they really don't. And I I was, I was kind of tentative about it. I was just kind of like, okay, it's Pixar. I'll wait for it to go to streaming. That's why I didn't see the theaters. And I was like, I don't really. Tina and I actually fought over about this because I was like, I don't really <laughs> want to see it. And she's like, What's wrong with you? So we ended up watching it. It's like, just let's let's cry, let's cry all fucking movie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like,
0: yeah. and that was why I wanted to see it so bad because I yeah the, themes about family and distance resonate with me, and then of course Sarah has experienced direct family loss. So Mm, I was more than eager to get out there with a few boxes of tissues and buy four seats in the Alamo for all of our extra tissues. And there
2: you go. Without any Um, uh, spoilers, I thought it it handled loss really well, especially. No, it definitely does. It's like that. There's one scene that just is perfect for. you know how they, especially someone at a young age. I thought that was masterfully done. It was beautiful. Yeah,
0: and especially the concept of loss of loss of something you've never known. I guess mm. if I can phrase it that way. Or absence, yeah. feeling the absence. yep. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That was beautifully handled. Yeah. And I was thinking the other day, it was because one of our last rewatches watches was last night. Um, it was uh, <laughs> refreshingly modern, I guess, in so many yeah. ways, and not just like the technology and the aesthetic. You know, like when you watch Toy Story, you can tell year it was made because of the furniture and the decor. Yeah. I don't mean that. I mean, I, I often get sort of uh, irrationally upset at the, the huge history of high school movies with high school kid characters, because for so many decades, all these kids had cars and also had jobs, but mm-hmm. could leave them whenever they wanted. And you know what I mean? And it's so... Like, it's, it's, it's a, an exaggerated form of what really happened for generations older than us, but it's nowhere close to what we've experienced right. for all kinds of reasons. <laughs> and Onward was just so much better about that. It was us. It was the first time I watched, like, a movie with a high school main character, and our older brother isn't even in high school. He's taking a gap year, which is why he has the freedom to lead off on this adventure in the first place. <laughs> you know what I mean? And why... and like obviously, you know, the, the threshold of adult life freedom has shifted the age at which it happens. And that was accommodated for in the film and the characters just identified with them so much more than anything else. And that was so brilliant. It, it really, not that I, I think I would've liked the film anyway, but that really helped me paint myself
1: into the characters. No, that's really true. Like I, I totally, I, I totally know what you're talking about, like that snapshot of like what high school will be like and what like yeah. buddy on the way to college, like you're chasing you after your sex, yeah. you have
0: a car, either a cool one or a not cool one, never anything in the middle. Right. <laughs> <laughs> or your one buddy has that cool dumpy van or something, right? right. And y'all can just afford to cram your pocket money in your, in your cargo pants and, like, drive <laughs> off to some stupid adventure and not worry about the hotels you might find or the restaurants you might find. Okay. And, like, that, even that, just, which is more to do with where I grew up and how once you leave the LA area, it's just desert, you know, like, oh um, just all, all of that is so, you know, my dad... Dropped out of college, bought a car, drove from New Jersey to Florida, worked the summer, drove back and sold the car. Ended up with more money than when he started. You know, like that <laughs> yeah. was—you can't do that. You haven't been able to do that for quite Isn't a while. That
1: the American dream, <laughs> right?
0: And you know, we 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 haven't even come close to that, and and people haven't come close to that for quite a long time now. You know, the world has changed too much. So to get a film that was in that style with the two brothers going off on their adventure, but wasn't that way and was accommodating the realities of the present day was just brilliant yeah
1: (laughs) that's great um so i'll jump back in um i was finishing up another rewatch of the office but this is the first time that tyna kind of watched the last three seasons with me so from Hmm. seven which is the last season with michael scott into Andy being the boss, spoilers, and then into the last season. So that was really eye opening because she never saw Michael leave. She never saw the the search for the new guy. But she never saw the Alan Jillo Vickers, which is, I think, one of the most underrated like swath of episodes. And that with Will Ferrell as the boss, I think <laughs> he hits this perfect like not Michael space that's never captured again. Um, but it was just really interesting to kind of go through that like. Michael's goodbyes, especially with like Pam, and with uh, Jim, stuff that makes me cry every time that she had never really seen before. That was really cool. And then kind of me bitching through the the second half of the eighth season because I think it just the writing goes right in the toilet for me. I'm I'm not a fan of those later <laughs> episodes, but it was cool to watch for the first time with somebody who hadn't seen him ever. And I think they really stick the landing. I really like that finale. I I, I like. Oh, yeah with erin's storyline a character who frustrates me so much because she's so poorly written for most of that show and then to kind of stick the landing with her at the end makes me cry every time and then the the guten prank the whole jim being a bachelor or the uh, um bestest bestest mensch, mensch, like that (laughs) i I think they really stick the landing it was just that was a cool experience that tyna and i wouldn't have had If not for quarantine, because you could just next episode, next episode, next episode. And we're both working remotely. So that was really cool to kind of get to rewatch something I've seen a million times again with her. Those kind of like emotional closure moments of the office was really cool.
2: That's awesome.
1: Yeah. Yeah. She had never seen the, uh, the reveal of the letter from the teapot before and i'm just like bawling knowing it's coming and she's like what is that i was like that's from the t-button he kept it It just just so sweet i I really like i said i really like how they stuck the landing on that show though those last season and a half i could kind of take or leave the second they go to florida for me it just kind of falls apart just the way they characterize andy I
3: do yeah. like the part where the woman says about how her son got his foreskin stuck in some lawn furniture. <laughs> oh, grandson. It's her grandson. Yeah, grandson. That's right. That's, right. <laughs> that's my favorite part about that whole trip to Florida. <laughs> it's like, oh, this is terrible. Oh, wait, you know, what's coming.
2: <laughs> yeah, for a show that you've watched, I mean, as many times as you have, and like that you're able to quote it and everything, that's cool to get, a, you know, a new lens to see it through. That's awesome.
1: Right. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah
0: part of why we do this
2: podcast.
1: <laughs> 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 Seems like the the goodbye michael episode is one of the best episodes of television ever. I mm-hmm. uh, honestly if that had been the end of the series I'm fine. Yeah. Just the way they they take a character who's been so bumbling and so awkward and you 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 learn to love him and you you realize that it's an ignorance thing, not an arrogance thing. He's not he's not cruel, he's not mean, he's just dumb. Mm-hmm. And he's this sweet center, and then you get to see him evolve in that lapis. I mean, there's that moment where he he gives the the messed up scarecrow doll to Oscar, and in in the the face to face interview that he's like just dying laughing. Is he has the worst opinion of me of anybody? He just took it like I I put all this thought into it, like just just to see that character evolve into the self awareness and then leave. That it just, they, there are moments in that show that are just, I mean, it's the, the show I rewatched the most, but getting to see those last few with my partner was great. So that, that was cool.
0: Nice.
3: So wait, has, has everyone else done two so far? Is it my turn to do my second? Yes. Okay. So since, well, since we've actually mentioned some movies, I will talk about probably the, I've seen a few movies, you know, since the quarantine, but probably the, the one I like the best and the one that I want to tell people about to see if, you know, to get them to see it is, uh, it's on, it's a Netflix original. It's called six underground with Ryan Reynolds. Mm. And it, yeah, I think it, it's, uh, who is it? Is it's either Bruckheimer or, or who's the other one, uh, like Bruckheimer where the story is usually terrible, but it's a shitload of action. Right. Um, Michael Bay, thank you. It's one of those two. I forget which one. They are kind of just synonymous to me.
1: I know that from the epic rap battle where it's like no no Bruckheimer I go solo where they do the telephoto zoom up. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But but it's one of those things. And I I, you know when I when I
3: saw it, I immediately thought of Scott your description of uh, Need for Speed, where it's like I'm watching this because (laughs) I want to see a bunch of fast cars, and if I get enough of a story just to explain why this is happening, I'm fine. But then you get actually more more layer and more story than you expected yeah and that was the thing i was like this is going to be like balls to the walls like action flick it's going to be fun it's going to be loud it's going to be violence and explosions and there was there was something to it and i was like wow this is pretty good and 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 i mean even you know there, there there's a lot of like borderline cheesy dialogue which i feel like because it's delivered by ryan reynolds it doesn't have the same cheesiness factor as if it was some other actor who's who you think is trying to take this dialogue seriously. Like because it's Ryan Reynolds saying this ridiculous stuff, you're like, yeah, okay, sure. Yeah, that's that's you. That's you saying this. Got it. Move on. Yeah, like, you know, and and yeah, and it's just it's it's this kind of really cool like concept of, you know, it's these, what is it? It's all these people who I think it starts with with Ryan Reynolds' character where he he fakes his own death so he can basically just, you know, be a ghost and be able to move around and do what he wants. And he ends up collecting all these other people who he's you know he's he's a billionaire so he he goes around and finds all these other people who have certain skills but are kind of like you know oh my life's not going the way i want it to and he's like hey how about you fake your own death and you join my team and we go do some cool shit and and which at first it just looks like this kind of like rich asshole kind of thing but it, it turns out he does have like some serious motivation and some good intentions behind him um and, and I mean this in a good way, not in a, in, a, in a bad way or critical way, but I think the opening of it is sort of a, a parody of Baby Driver, um, but like not in a way where it's like fuck baby driver but it's like oh look people see this to be like oh that's baby driver but but it kind of the way it twists it is also it's a it's a lot darker but it has some of those elements where i think it's like a lot of it was the way the music kind of plays into it and they have this you know their driver is dave franco so it's like here these old like you know hardened people who are doing this job and they get in the car and it's this young guy who's supposed to drive them away and everything um and you know and how dangerous this is and how he's doing all these things that they're like no 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 you gotta do this and he does the opposite but it ends up being the right thing to do and gets him out of the jam and um and that's kind of where it starts and then from there it's just like yeah it's just a thrill ride but again it's actually there's a little bit more story than you need you know you don't need much story if you're going into this with the right intentions but you get more than you expect and it's like ah, yes thank you okay this is really good so I, i highly recommend it if you're looking for like a fun action adventure kind of fighting violence romp um it has, like I said, a little more story than you, than you need, even. You know? That's and amazing. they leave it open for a possibility of a sequel. I don't know if they're planning on making one, but they kind of do leave it in a place where you're like, okay, there's, there's more where this can go. Okay.
1: Okay, to follow up on Michael Bay. Sorry, Zeke, I, I know you turned your mute off. Did you want to talk? I don't want to oh, you're go crazy. Yeah. Go so, ahead. speaking of Michael Bay, Ty and I watched Bad Boys 1 and 2 for the first time, and my fucking brain exploded. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. That first movie, there is so little police work done, and it was funny because we were watching it and kind of watching Brook, like rewatching Brooklyn Nine Nine. So we were seeing like really solid police work, but funny, and then really bad police work and blowing shit up. In the second <laughs> line, Bad Boys Two is on another level as far as action <laughs> movies are con- concerned. That chase sequence is in the first act that first i don't know if you guys have all seen it i'm just i'm, I'm i have years ago holy shit bad boys 2 is amazing That first <laughs> that is the chase scene to end all chase scenes i thought it was the the one from live and let die with this f- speedboat fan boat on a tr- on a train on a plane like hop on pop but no it is the one from bad boys 2 and it is outstanding That's all good news. They're making another bad boys movie. No, they, they've already done it. Yeah. Right. Bad boys for life. Life. It's now on Amazon, Uh I think. I still haven't seen it. That's one one that I was was going to
2: get to the theaters and then the theater shut down. So, Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. So I did have a full release. It had a full release, but like, uh, I think they only got a couple weeks in on my agenda and then plans didn't work out. And then, I forgot that the, the your one and two watch was during all of this. That's how long this has gone on. Yeah, but.
1: I think at that point I was remoting. I don't think it had gone like to stay at home, but I was remoting. All right, and we watched that, and holy that's crap, amazing. that was that was an evening. Holy shit, <laughs> the reactions to that were great. <laughs> yeah, because I, I was basically live texting Zeke. It's like this is out of control. This is some bad detective work that's going on here. It's like there's so much with this movie left. <laughs> bad boys like seriously i there's nothing else in the category like as far as i'm concerned bad boys 2 is like it's not even an action movie it's like above action movie it's it's insane <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay good things now. about three too so i'm excited to, to watch that
1: that's some. good that's good to hear mm-hmm.
2: yeah uh am i up for my second yeah for sure okay um sorry <laughs> I, I didn't remember where in the rotation we were at um i'll, I'll steal from from joel's first one with the uh, with the couples or i guess that one too the couples watching so an idea that i borrowed from uh one of my friends sarah was to uh you know with picking movies with your partner um was to like play a game to decide who gets to pick rather than fighting over what movie we're going to watch so we uh natalie and i would play a game um, I ended up winning that night, so I picked Jerry Maguire, and then we said, "Fuck it," so a double movie night. Show me the money. Picked Chicago, right? Show me oh, Chicago's great scene to watch. So Jerry Maguire and Chicago are about as far apart on <laughs> places that we could have gone, and I'm glad we did. Um, mixed reviews, I think, on Jerry Maguire. <laughs> Show me the <laughs> money and all that jazz, too. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Show me the money part is uh I don't know there's there's things in Jerry Maguire that definitely don't age quite as well. Right. Um yeah. So but it's I mean it's a fun one still. I you know, it was a fun one for me back in the day. It's a fun one to rewatch. Um don't know that, you know, I, I don't think I mean Natalie and I watched cocktail a whole different movie <laughs> and we're just on this like watch Tom Cruise movies and bash them sort of things. Chicago was good. That was my first time seeing Chicago. I had heard lots of different, like some of the songs that are in it. And I knew the the actresses and actors that were in it for the most part. Like I didn't know John C. Riley was in there. Um, There were some surprises in there that were uh, really good. and I probably ended up liking that one more. She liked Jerry Maguire, obviously, but probably more than I liked Jerry Maguire that night too. So uh, saying something,
1: yeah. He ran oh, into dude. my knife. He ran into my knife ten times. <laughs> awesome. it's so, good. Chicago, <laughs> it's so good. Chicago's that a great song. show. That song's great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Queen Latifah. I keep waiting for John C.
0: Reilly to win an Oscar for something.
2: Mm-hmm. He, yeah, he needs to. Yeah. He's overdue. Mm-hmm. That was one where I was definitely listening to the soundtrack again the next day because there's some catchy stuff on there.
0: Uh, and then there was someone else who's doing... I've lost the name now. I'm going to try to find him, but the article was a, when is this guy going to get his uncut gems,
2: referring to I, uh,
0: uh, uncut
2: gems. Was it um, Ray Romano? No, no. Um, Twitter said Ray Romano. So I mean, fair, but Don C. Riley's another one I think about, about just like,
0: although to be fair, C. Riley's been in plenty of serious roles. I just mm-hmm. don't know. He always seems to come up short in the awards seasons. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember thinking he was in that um, that adaptation of the play, God of Chaos, right?
1: God of Carnage. Carnage. Carnage,
0: Carnage thank you. God of Carnage. And Great play. The four Of the four leads in that, the three others are all Oscar winners, except him. And I remember seeing that ad, you know, and it was Oscar winner Christoph Waltz and Oscar winner so-and-so and Oscar winner so-and-so and Oscar nominee John C. Reilly. And like on the one hand, on the other hand, Everyone else can suck a dick. He was in that. In the lead position with them. Who needs an Oscar, man? Like, he's there, right? It was sort of the double-edged sword of, like, oh, man, what a shame that was nominee and not winner. But on the other hand, what other nominees could have been in that role, you know, like, with the other three and held their own? So, I don't know. I just, I feel like he deserves (laughs) deserves the recognition. Scott, I think you're up. I just started rewatching Band Brothers again. Oh wow! I, I couldn't tell you why. I sort because of... <laughs> you're Scott. <laughs> well, right, but I mean, at some point, the image came into my head of that scene from episode one. If you have you all seen Band Brothers? No. no. Oh, okay. Well, thankfully, since you all know about World War II, I can at least talk somewhat about this without spoiling. Any. Spoilers. Spoilers. <laughs> right, um, Did we win? <laughs> <laughs> Um, So uh, the first episode deals entirely with their training and their time in England and ends with them getting on the planes to go jump into France. And so there's a really phenomenal scene of a training exercise in England when one half of the company, one platoon, led by who is more or less our main character, uh, Lieutenant Winters. You know, they focus on several soldiers, but he's sort of the biggest focus. They're securing a T-intersection, and so they show up, and they're down behind the big hedges, and they're waiting, and, you know, like, should we take the intersection? Like, no, we'll wait for the, the captain who leads the company, you know, and his platoon, and we cut away to the captain, who's great at training, but just awful at map reading and other stuff, so he's hopelessly lost. So we cut back to the, the other half of the platoon, and the one guy, when he just checks his watch, and is like, all right, we can't wait, we have to take our objective, you know, and, and there's this single... Elderly English gentleman bicycling down the road, and as he enters the intersection, he turns right, and one squad is like jumping over the hedges and filing across. The, and I mean, you know, it's they're obviously Americans, and the British all know the Americans are there. So he sort of stops, and oh, a bunch of guys with guns are doing the exercise. Oh, he turns and goes the other way, just as the other squad crosses the road the other direction. And he turns around and tries to go back the way he came, just as the last squad like secures the end of the road. And Lieutenant Winters, like, strides out into the intersection. He, like, gets off his bike and playfully puts up his hand and goes, "Well, oh, you've done it now, Yanks. You've captured me. You know? And I just, <laughs> that moment, for some reason, just came into my head a few days ago. And I needed to watch the episode again. So I did. And then I finished episode one, and I needed to watch episode two. <laughs> so I did. So I'm, I'm partway through two right now. Just watching that again. it's It's just phenomenal. And... The Pacific is their other miniseries that they did eventually later, focusing obviously on the Pacific. And that one always gets a bit of criticism. Maybe not criticism, but just it's not as good as Band of Brothers, but it can't be. I, the war in Europe was so much more focused, you know. People stayed in where they were and progressed linearly towards Germany, you know. And the war in the Pacific was fought in 30 places at once, and no one group of people was in all those places. So we focus on one set of Marines who's on Ball Canal, and then one of them stays fighting while the other one goes back for a bond tour, and then we pick up a third guy who's just entering training, and he meets up with the second guy when they're at Pelelu, but these units don't even touch, um, they don't even touch Makin or Tarawa. We totally skip over half of what they do, half of what they don't do, is famous stuff. And then none of that is the Philippines or the mainland in China, you know, and you just can't, you can't encompass all of this in the story of a certain number of people. It's just impossible. And it's not destroyed at all. It's very clear who you're watching and when, what group of guys and where they are and what they're doing. But it just doesn't quite have that same satisfying start to finish that Band of Brothers does from
1: D-Day to the surrender, you know. Um, and it's as, also as satisfying just, as World War II narratives right, could be. Right, right, just from a plot yeah. perspective. No. And
0: I noticed the other day during episode one when they're on the boats going from New York to Britain, one of the soldiers, and I'm sure at the time this was just, it was a conversation some one of the veterans remembered or just a line tossed in or whatever. One of the lines is something about those lucky sods going over to the Pacific to sit on a beach with the native girls and drink coconuts. And like, of course... A, you know, they wouldn't have known, right, in real life. But B, I, I think about now how great it would be to take that shot and then just cut in, Pacific. like, something from Peleo or from Okinawa, right, from the Pacific and just mm. juxtapose the two images. Um, so are, but, you, uh,
1: are you streaming, Brand of Brothers? Or I, I imagine you have it on disk. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Gotcha. And it makes sense. That's me HBO, sad that right? It.
0: Yeah. Okay. I own it on DVD because Blu rays just didn't exist and now I want it on Blu ray. But- <laughs> Speaking of which, HBO, their third series, the Tom Hanks-Spielberg Third World War II miniseries, is finally coming together. Um, announced in 2012, vanished, finally happening. Apparently what happened was eventually HBO just decided not to do it. Um, but Spielberg and Hanks didn't give up on it. And so what happened now is Apple TV Plus Whatever,
1: minus 85 that. service
0: <laughs> has picked it up. Which makes me super disappointed because I really don't want to just like pay for Apple TV to just watch this one show. But, but this one is about the 8th Air Force who flew bombers out of England over Europe. So wow. it's going to be that's right Memphis spell the miniseries, yeah. and yeah. I could not be happier. Right. <laughs> I'm so excited. Damn. No release date yet, but you know, more is coming. And I, it, it makes me excited for a day when I'll have like A shelf that's just thirty of these miniseries, you know, like all beautifully produced and flawlessly made. And I, I, you know, I can dream, right?
1: (laughs) All right, Tim, I think you're up. Okay, Um, so I'm gonna—I
3: can't decide between two shows, and I'm gonna basically mention them, and then you guys can discuss which one we talk about. Either if you are interested in seeing one of them, or if you've already seen them. And also because, you know, my wife and I watched these together, you know, on the topic of things we watched with our spouses. And um, also Zeke mentioned two movies last time. So I'm like, okay, cool. I'll mention two things too. (laughs) So um, right, I think it was like right around the time, like the whole thing started. We started watching The Newsroom on HBO. Oh, um, wow. And I had heard good things about it, never really watched it. And then we finally started watching it. And uh, then when that was done, we watched uh, a show called "Bored to Death," which is on Amazon Prime, with uh, Jason Schwartzman, Zach Galifianakis, and Ted Danson. Wow! Which was a comedy, so it was also a nice contrast to the newsroom, which was kind of serious. But it also still kind of helped get through the situation. You know, cause you have these people who are who are kind of working, um, you know, on the front lines, kind of and like kind of getting you the information, so you know what's going on, and you know you're you're it's it's this idealized version of what the news should be kind of thing. So I think that's what made it comforting is you weren't getting blasted with, um, sensationalism. It was people who were trying to tell the truth and tell it how it is. And it was like, Oh yeah, I could see where that's comforting, you know? Um, and then boards to death is Jason Schwartzman is uh, he, he breaks up with his girlfriend while she moves out and he, he's a writer and he decides because he read some like detective novels that he's going to become a private investigator. So there's this really funny noir vibe to it where he's, making himself a parody of like the whole like vibe uh, of the of the noir detective and and kind of how he's approaching a situation like he he starts wearing a trench coat whenever he goes out to do a case you know it's because oh that's what they do in the book so that's how i'm gonna do it and um and even the way he talks changes like you know and, and you could tell it's a parody of that type of film but his character normally doesn't talk like that it's only when he's being the private investigator um so those two shows are great for two very different reasons. But um yeah, either if you're interested and want more information, I'll talk about that, or if you're like, Yeah, I saw that and I love this part. So I'll leave that discussion part of it up to you
1: guys. Is Newsroom the same writer as West Wing? Yeah, Aaron Sorkin. Nice. Yeah. Sorkin I couldn't remember. Yeah, I wanted to say Sondheim, that's not right. Soderbury, that's not right. Right. <laughs> yeah. I want more
2: info on uh, board to death. You said that's that's prime, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's like three
3: seasons. I think about eight or ten episodes each. So it's a it's a pretty quick watch. I think half hour episodes. Prime just time. knocks them out. Jeez, they're so yeah. quick. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's 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 really funny. Yeah. So like, it starts off like that, and I guess uh, Ted Danson is uh, Jason Schwartzman's boss. And then, um, but they have this really kind of almost father and son relationship that gradually develops more and more through the show. And then Zach Galifianakis is his best friend, which it's it's such a great role for Zach Galifianakis because he basically is just Zach Galifianakis, but he's like, you, you, you get to know him more as a person, aside from just... The, the bumbling kind of buffoon that he normally plays, that mm-hmm. he plays well, but you, you, because I think he's, it's not a movie or between two ferns where you're getting this snapshot of him being goofy. Like you, you get to actually have an emotional connection with him. It's really, it's really interesting. It's really a side of him. You don't see, you know, um, mm-hmm but uh but yeah it's it's and, and ted danson is great like you know a, a little while ago we finished watching the good place and yeah. i don't know if you guys have seen that but you know yeah. so it was great to see ted danson again you know in, in that, that similar era and um yeah it's just like everything about it is, is great and funny and you know um it's it's really cool where they go each season you're kind of like i don't know what this show's going to do next and then they find somewhere else to go it's like oh cool you went there oh i wasn't expecting that but that's kind of neat okay sure
2: yeah, I um, I had it when you were talking about it, I Googled Jason Schwartzman because I don't know that I've seen, I, I've seen Grand Budapest, but I haven't seen much else
1: that he's mm-hmm. in, I think.
2: But I'm absolutely on board for more Ted Dance, and uh, Ramp the Good Place not too long ago. too, and Yeah, yeah. I'm very excited.
3: Mm-hmm. Oh, it's Thank also you. another little comment too, without getting into a whole discussion about it, but in the newsroom, uh, two of the actors from the newsroom, uh, Alison Pill, and I forget the guy's name, but the two of them, they're two of the kind of, main ensemble um so Allison Pill is in Devs so it's one of those things to watch this show from years ago with this actress who I'd never seen anything else till you know and then now watching a show oh wait she's also in Devs okay and same thing with this other guy I forget his name but he's in the current season of Westworld which I've been watching and it's like oh there's there's that guy and oh, okay cool I'm glad these people are getting work again because you know I watched the newsroom and haven't seen anything that they were in since and now they're both working today so good for them <laughs>
1: Zeke, so get the gear up
2: okay uh before i go am i am i closing it out or are we going around the horn i think one challenge of this is not uh there is no pizza so i'll need to eat <laughs> at some point So I don't know if, I, <laughs> if i'm going now if this is if i'm the last one or if we'll go around again yeah i was did,
1: thinking, did we all do three i think we could do one more uh after zeke so zeke will do one and then we'll do and we'll round out with him with the next one oh. Okay, well, I did right? two because I thought it was my last one, so oh. I don't really have anything good to talk about. So if Sorry. you guys have stuff, you can. That'll, no, that's fine. <laughs> I have fine. a huge be- list. I haven't mentioned half the things. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, should I go two now then, or one and then back around?
1: Whatever feels right. <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh, okay, I'll do. I'll go with one. Um, I'll go show. Just to keep the show movie show movie thing going. Um, been watching The Last Dance on um, ESPN, which is right. the series about the 98 Chicago Bulls, Michael Jordan's last season. Um, it's been phenomenal. It's like already, you know, one of the highest watched ESPN documentaries, probably because no one else, you know, no one has anything else to do, but also because it's, it's very amazing. It lives up to all the hype. Um, I think it's, it's, so it's doing like two, like two chronological timelines sort of. So there's the, 98 season from beginning to end but then there's also like who's Michael Jordan start back in you know way back when he was a kid and then when he got drafted and and then who's Scottie Pippen let's talk about him and then who's Dennis Rodman so each person on the team's kind of getting their own little episode but then they're also like so they're walking the season through and then they're walking you know on a much broader timeline and those are running simultaneously and they're doing a really good job of that um Natalie's been watching with me and and Uh, It was funny going into it because I was like, I put it on the calendar. I'm like, I'm watching this. Like, this is my Michael Jordan alone time. (laughs) I need sports in my life. Um, You can hop in if you want. And she's like, for her, I think, um, you know, her touch point with Michael Jordan was Space Jam. Um, And she said, like, as a kid seeing Space Jam, so her, she's like, well, why is this? She was there for the Looney Tunes, right? She's like, why is this terrible baseball player? now playing basketball with cartoons, right? Like she, she knows a little bit about Jordan fever, but the way the space jam frames it, right. That's what she was going off of more, but she's hopped in and watched all the episodes with me. And, um, I dunno, I think because of Michael Jordan's celebrity and like the cultural impact, uh, it just, you know, it's very broadly, um, I dunno, it pulls in everyone, I think. So it's done a, done a great job. It's been really good. Um, the Broncos got a shout out in episode four, which I was pumped. (laughs) And then episode five, like the promo for that is like all of Michael Jordan's endorsements. So that's going to be really interesting to see that pop culture side of him again. So yeah, I'm it's uh, and it's one of those two where it's like at the end of every episode, I'm just like, just give me the other six right now. I'll watch them all the night. They're that good. So that's been a fun distraction
1: for me from a TV show level, but also from a sports level. I'm definitely really looking forward to that one i haven't gotten a chance to start it but like seeing you watch it and be so excited about is just like reignited all that fire of like michael jordan fever when i was little because i went yeah. before space jam it was like wanted to be him we didn't watch i mean we lived in arizona like we didn't really watch the phoenix suns we watched like mm-hmm. chicago bulls i remember my dad went to chicago for a work thing and brought me back a jordan jersey tiny little jordan jersey it just <laughs> broke my brain it was so cool nice so just kind of the fact that they're they're like kind of recapturing that moment is so nostalgic and i'm so excited to jump yeah. back into that that's so cool yeah and it's one like you said like um well the day
2: the first two and they're doing it two episodes at a, at a time um every five weekends till like it's all 10 Um, also it's a thing that was supposed to come out later in like June into July, but they pushed it up so that we'd have something to watch grateful for. Um, but at debut the Sunday at debut, they also showed the Broncos, um, Bowl 33 win on, uh, on CBS, I think. Um, so I watched that in the afternoon and then tuned in for the Jordan documentary in the evening. Both of those happened in 98, 99. So it was really cool to get to relive those things that like I have memories of as a kid, but to get to relive them as an adult in much more detail and like actually being aware of things. I think to your point, yeah, it's, it's really cool to revisit it. Um, and I don't know, just such a big cultural impact, right? Like you said, living in Arizona and got the Bulls Jersey. I was here in Denver. I loved the nuggets, but I had a a Jordan jacket. Um, you know, you watch a really cool Jordan jacket. It was my childhood prized possession. Wore that everywhere. Still have it try to fit into it (laughs) i love it so much but like you watch i don't know like like again the snippets from this next episode they show like him interacting with jerry seinfeld and then drew barrymore sitting courtside at a game like oh shit it's michael jordan and like you know everyone's freaking out about him you watch sitcoms at the time and there's references to jordan like i don't know he was just much more uh than basketball um and it's just presented it really well um there's so many gems in each
1: episode. Uh, I don't know. It's it's fantastic. So you talking about the endorsement episode? All I can think of is the 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 line from Space yep. Jam where it's like, <laughs> "Get your hands on, lace up your Nikes, grab your Wheaties. We'll pick up a Big Mac on the way to the ballpark." Newman doing like every single one of those is just so.
2: Yeah, he was everywhere.
1: That was the thing. I drink lemon lime Gatorade because that's the one Michael Jordan drank. Like that's just yes. so. It's <laughs> so iconic yeah that's awesome (laughs) Mm -hmm. i'm excited as you can tell (laughs) that's really cool okay so there's so many things on this list um be remiss we didn't mention tiger king i know only half the podcast has watched it it's really entertaining there's no artistic value to it but it's really compelling and really a strange wild story if you have seven hours it. to burn, <laughs> <laughs> I was going to mention it. If you didn't, so I'm glad you did. It's, it's, uh... You couldn't write that shit. That's all I have to say. <laughs> like, it's just mm-hmm. so strange how it twists and turns. Like, but that that was something I held out for a couple weeks, and then Tyna and I ended up watching it, and it was really entertaining. <laughs> um, we we had our annual Easter zombie movie marathon, which was really fun. Um, watched four new movies that I, I guess yeah no three new movies we hadn't seen before and one from my childhood so that was train to busan which is outstanding little monsters which is so so good um tombs of the blind dead which is an obscure weird old spain produced one and then uh Scooby Doo on Zombie Island that was really good um but yeah. Tiana and i've been watching Making the Cut on Amazon Prime which is Tim Gunn and Heidi Klum's new uh basically project runway plus and it's outstanding it's it's so good it's so anti-project runway because project runway is very much like here's jc pennies has given us the, the the shoes and the accessory wall and all of this stuff but because it's amazon and amazon money it's like super well produced Great, like it. it just seems like a grown-up Project Runway, and it's outstanding. I love Project One Runway mainly because of Tim Gunn because he's amazing. But that show is just really good. We were watching that, and they were doing two episode releases. We finally get to the end of the season, and just an incredible show. Really talented people, and just just an elevated version of Project Runway that I've been kind of missing since Tim and Heidi haven't been doing the show. So that was really cool. And then, real quick today. I went on. Tina and I kind of went on a, a, a movie marathon thing. So I watched *Hail Caesar*. Coen Brothers, out fucking standing. Scott, if you don't watch this movie, okay. I don't and don't. I, this is so you. It hurts yeah. the whole time I'm watching. Is like Scott, this is gonna turn him around okay. on the Coen Brothers, especially. It was comedy. also on
0: the list that made me watch um, the thing we were just talking about. It had Moon on Snow it. it had, thank you, Snowpiercer. Right.
1: So. Hail Caesar! Yeah, okay. Caesar is like, I feel like you could watch a long time. Once upon a time in Hollywood, or is that what it is? Long time yeah. ago in Hollywood. Once so upon it's a time Tarantin- yeah. Tarantino. Yeah, yeah. I feel like this is the other the other half of that. Like that coin, it's so good. Then we watch yeah. Death of Stalin. I don't know if any of you have seen Death of Stalin. It's so it's it's like it's the darkest comedy, and it's such a British tone. Tim, I don't think you'll like it. But it's really funny. <laughs> you you tend not to like British stuff as much as I do. But like it it's so it's so pitch perfect, and it it just plays this line of like morbidity and and dark humor. It's hilarious. Steve Buscemi's in it. Jeffrey Tambor's in it. Who's an asshole, but he's good in this. Um, who else is in it? It's like if uh, um, oh, Guy Ritchie did a Soviet era drama, but it's really fun. I don't know. It, it's really strange and funny. And then I watched Extraction, which is the new Chris Hemsworth uh, Netflix, which is almost almost John Wick-esque. And it, you kind of forget like behind the Thor exterior that Chris Hemsworth is a badass. Like you could see him like wield the hammer and stuff and like blow shit up, but like this is like hand-to-hand and gritty and like really compelling. Like. It made me want him to be like Mad Max or like Bond, like something. I wanted him to to go up for that. So sorry that that was like a quick fire round of everything I've been watching. <laughs> I would recommend highly all three of those movies. Uh, Hail Caesar is just incredible. Like within six minutes of Hail Caesar, I'm like this this so is in my 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 vein. And it's one of those things. Like I think when it came out, there was this like. There's this stigma about movies made by Hollywood about making movies. This kind of masturbatory thing, and it's like those movies tend to do well at the Oscars, so it's kind of like self fulfilling. But I feel like we've gotten to a point that we're so ingrained into the movie making process that we like we like that kind of stuff. We like seeing the Golden Age of film and how it was, and it's kind of like there's this communist ele- element going into it. There's this cult like. It's all that kind of like long time ago in Hollywood or once upon a, I keep missing the Tarantino one. Like it, it just, there's a lot interesting about that era of Hollywood. This kind of like sixties, fifties, sixties era of Hollywood. It's really fascinating and really compelling and really fun. Cause you get to see Channing Tatum do like a full um, uh, Fred Astaire number. It's just, it's, it's this really cool melding of a whole bunch of different things it, that that movie's incredible. And then yeah i second that it yeah. uh, one that i was hyped up about saw it when it came out and it was much different
2: than i thought it was going to be i think but in a good way like i still loved it i left mm-hmm. loving it um actually just bought it at goodwill on dvd <laughs> a couple months ago and then the week later they threw it on uh, netflix so i also bought semi-pro that same day <laughs> they also put that on netflix so whatever that's fine. that's a great double If you want feature. anything on netflix tell me <laughs> and i'll go get it from goodwill and then netflix will put it up so just whatever you want yes um but no i love that one um uh, were that it were, scene were that, it, that scene is so good so i lost my shit oh that's uh, so funny but what yeah it's an
1: einreich are just so good in that they're both oh it's so good sorry yeah. <laughs> so i i recommend that to the other two <laughs> yeah. death of stalin is definitely like in a specific vein it's it's very dark and it's very silly i yeah i'm excited ext- about that one yeah actually. extraction was just fun like i, I think it's it's kind of a run of the mill action flick, and then it's Hemsworth doing really, and it's all set in, a, in India, which is really cool. Like, just a different cityscape, great kind of dynamic. It's it, it's it's a fun kind of shoot 'em up kind of movie. And then Killing Eve, we've been watching Killing Eve, which has been incredible. Which I I may, like, I feel like they've ripped off Hannibal quite a bit. It's like mm. Killing Eve is if Hannibal was more leaning into gay. which does not hurt it at all. (laughs) Killing Eve is incredible. That show Uh, is really good. Sorry, I'll stop talking now, Scott. (laughs) Yeah, I'll
0: wrap up the end of my list. Um, Before quarantine, I watched a show on Netflix called Final Table cooking show, Mm. cooking competition, where every episode is a different country's cuisine to focus on. And it's phenomenal and very high caliber and very well edited. So it doesn't drag or anything. They don't do that stupid you know, after these commercials, we'll come back to the show. And then they repeat everything and then go to more commercials nonsense. It's just a nice, tightly produced, excellent food. You know, multinational co- competitors from all over the world making food from all over the world. And it's just excellent. But if you can't get your hands on good food right now, it's going to kill you
1: <laughs> because you're going to
0: watch it and want, you know, crave good food. Um, Sarah watched Lock and Key and then watched the first episode with me, which I liked, but I haven't. Quite been in the episode for a like it's it's a supernatural horror tv series but not like it's supposed to be like pgpg 13 like you can watch it with your kids right which isn't hurting at all to be honest
1: it's a comic book adaptation
0: sure yeah there you go so i i just am not in the mood for that much tension in my life at the moment i'm getting enough from elsewhere so i really liked the first episode like this is great let's watch this in december (laughs) like just go away um and then the last actual film i watched was Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, which was, again, I perfect, absolutely flawless. It's a complicated, messy web of of Cold War intrigue British spy movie that is easy to follow, but not by dumbing anything down. And it's got a phenomenal cast and a story that makes sense and characters with real motivations and
1: that movie is as British as British can be. Like that, that is the British place. spy movie yeah. period. Yeah. Like, that like was, Bond is its own genre. Like yeah. this is if the Britons like reclaimed Bond. Like, <laughs> yeah, it was right up my alley. It was brilliant. Benedict
0: Cumberbatch in that in one of the only really serious roles I've seen him in. I mean, I you know Sherlock Holmes is serious, but it's many series. It's kind of there. lighthearted. It's yeah. weird, right? You know. And then I've seen him in all a bunch of other stuff, either as a particularly unusual character, or you know, Doctor Strange or whatever. And this is the first thing in recent memory I can think of where he's one of a kickass ensemble who gets gets a major part, but isn't like being chosen specifically to be a thing or a weird character. He's just another character who happens to be at the forefront. And he was brilliant. So yeah, that's it. That wraps me up.
1: Oldman's in that and Tom oh, yeah. Hardy's in there. Mark that. Strong. Mark Strong's in there. Yeah, that. Tom Hardy.
0: Every time Tom Hardy came on screen, I'd go, Oh yeah, he's in this. Right. And it didn't matter. The whole film. You know, we reached like the end of this like extremely long film. And he came on screen and again, Oh yeah, Tom Hardy's in this. Like I don't know why, but I kept forgetting. I just really constantly.
1: Liked his character in it. I thought that was a really interesting, like yeah. part of being a spy that we never get to see is kind of like this. There's a
0: certain natural unreliability to the field agent. That yeah. was, you know, present in him. Yeah. Right, yeah. Tim. Oh no! Sorry, I think it froze up. Yeah. Oh, okay. No,
3: I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm good. Like I said, I thought it was the last round, so I dumped my last two, and I even gave the shout out to Westworld. So yeah, I'm, I'm wrapped up.
1: awesome Yeah, I need to get on the third season. I need to rewatch one and two because I feel like it's been too long. I'm so stoked yeah. for three. Like I need to finish one. I was, I just started watching that. I
0: don't know if I've told the story before, and my roommate at the time had finished season one and was like, oh yeah, Westworld, it's great. And then season two was gonna be happening. And I was like, oh. And he said to me one night, I was on like episode, I I don't know, like five maybe of the season. Before, I didn't get, yeah, I must have been four because I stopped after four. And he said to me, you know, if you finish this before season two comes out, a bunch of friends and I are all gonna watch season two together. You know, we'd be delighted to have you come with us. I was like, yeah, that sounds great. And then two nights later, he was out somewhere or whatever, and I was doing something. And he came back from wherever he was. I was like, Oh, yeah, you know, hey, how, how was where you were at? Was it fun? He went, yeah, we watched season two. I was like, Oh, well, if I'd known that was in two days, I would have binged the rest of season one and then been delighted to go with you guys but and i sort of like the next time i put it on i was like sad about that so i just didn't watch it and then i just it just fell i fell behind and that was the end of that but i was really really enjoying it so i need to get over it you go back and finish the damn season yeah
3: <laughs> yeah three it, it yeah it's just it's just really blown up and it's just kind of like oh man like this world is is huge now okay got it <laughs> you know it's it's the point where it's hard to keep track of some stuff like who who is this what was what are you what are you referencing that
2: happened two seasons ago but but it's still good you just kind of go along for the ride i've seen some people post about it saying it's like it's one of those where you almost need like the the cliff notes right from the first couple Mm -hmm. seasons this person is from here and now they're back and that sort of thing Mm -hmm.
3: yeah there was a fun uh game of thrones reference that they made that was that was incredible towards the beginning of this that was that was super fun
1: <laughs> it certainly showed like i don't feel like it would be a chore to rewatch just because i enjoyed it so much the first time and i there's enough space between yeah. it that like right I've forgotten most of the plot points that it'll be really mm-hmm. cool to go back yeah all right zeke bring us home Ooh. all right
2: uh, i'll rapid fire this no pressure <laughs> Other show uh <laughs> you know, I'll admit I'm a a pile of human garbage and I watched love is blind on Netflix. I don't care. I'll take it. It was, it was, um, that's the reality dating show where like they are in pods and that there's a wall between them. They can't see each other. They can only talk for their dates and then the next thing you know they're engaged and then the next thing you know they're they're married or do they get married you have to find out so i was like let's put on this trash for two minutes laugh at it and then we found ourselves eight episodes deep like he he, he broke off the wedding with her just i don't know
1: <laughs> it's like bachelor in paradise for me Is like i was watching it, it's like started watching it, it's like this is garbage Okay, start the next one. We gotta get it. <laughs> Sorry. This is garbage. I love it. <laughs> exactly.
2: um, we watched uh, Trolls 2 because I'll Die for Anna Kendrick. Um, yeah. We support her in this house. <laughs> <laughs> for trolls. We just, you know, it was fun. We needed something light to watch. Um, so we threw that on. Uh, rewatched um, Into the Spider-Verse again because when am I not in the mood to do that? Um, but I think the big uh, movie that I, that I watched This quarantine um, was the social network on Netflix. And Joel, you'll have to weigh in. I don't remember from how I remember when it came out in college. I remember actively hating it. I have not, this is my first time seeing it because when it came out, I was like, what am I going to watch a movie about Facebook? That sounds dumb. Um, You know, even with all the Oscar buzz, like I was just very
1: not into seeing it. Um, Yeah. So I remember when it came out, we were just like, why? right and then my sister winsome it's one of her favorite movies so she's Mm. the one i actually ended up sitting down and watching it with her Mm. and that movie's incredible it really is a
2: lot of great acting performances in there um yeah i mean i was pleasantly surprised by that right just all these years of not wanting to watch it and then seeing it on there um i was reading uh shay serrano's movies and other things and he he talks about it a few times and i was like okay you know, Shay likes it. I'll, I'll give it a shot. Um, and yeah, I ended up really liking it. So yeah, that's, that's pretty much my list for the quarantine, but and isn't that David Fincher? Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. I love that the, was That was sort of one to sell it. One selling point for me. I was like, okay, maybe I'll watch it someday.
1: Mm-hmm. One of my favorite, like, behind the scenes is, like, how many times the laptop slash smash has had to be done. Because <laughs> the wanted a very specific, like...
2: Specific smash.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say on that note? Um, we all know how it's, it, it ends. We've all seen it. But like... <laughs> right. Oh,
2: that's... Yeah, I think one of the funny things was just hearing them call it the Facebook. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, when you're mocking, like, oh sonny teach me about the facebook the facebook right. <laughs> right that's what it was when it came out so that was fun um and then i mean uh i i always hate jesse eisenberg but like he was good in that role you know very well played so yeah not I, playing a likable yeah. person <laughs> exactly and he nailed it <laughs> andrew garfield was phenomenal justin's great yeah. brenda song like
1: yeah good cast in there yeah that one i need to rewatch it's really good i like that movie a lot so scott i think you had a, a closing um, uh, if we want to thread. i have a
0: topic and it's much more like current events in the film industry which isn't something we normally do but i mean it's a quarantine episode and, and and why not i guess so if you all think this sounds interesting we can talk and if you don't i'll just give you the headlines and then we'll call it a night um if, i don't know if you've heard but AMC and Regal are are now, well, AMC for sure, is going to refuse to screen Universal films for the foreseeable future. Mm -hmm. Um, So a lot of films have come to home services, streaming, home video, et cetera, much earlier than anticipated, or in some cases just skipped the theater entirely because of COVID. And Universal in particular has seen some real success, especially with their new Trolls movie.
1: Zeke's and, the problem.
0: <laughs> a world tour in this case. Right. And they said, I have the actual quote here from their CEO. As soon as theaters reopen, we expect to release movies on both formats. And that's it. They didn't say scheduling, you know, at the same time when, where, I mean, AMC decided to interpret that as we expect to do simultaneous home releases in undercut theaters. Again, I, I see how they read that that way but I could also say you could choose to read it any other way. I don't know. Um, and got the fans out and just went, this is absolutely unacceptable. We're just going to screw you. We're not carrying your movies anymore. Um, and then so far, Regal has stepped in in support of AMC. I'm unclear on whether they're also not showing Universal Films. I don't know if they've gone that far or just said we support AMC, but, but who oh boy. <laughs> um, I mean, theaters have been struggling for, for a good while now. And prices have been going up and it hasn't been helping, <laughs> you know? And I think especially around here, AMC tends to be our most expensive non imax option as far as the actual ticket price. And I mean, between the money, meaning I can't see all the theaters and films and theaters that I want to to begin with. And then the time, meaning, and then on top of that, just the fact that I don't want to see everything in the theater. I'm happy to see plenty of things at home on Netflix for free, or from Amazon for $2 to rent, you know. The question is, if the, if studios start releasing those things at home sooner, or at the same time as theaters, how much is that gonna hurt the theaters? You know, how many people, for right. any given film, are gonna choose to just not go to the movies anymore?
1: Um, it's really interesting and, to me, just like the whole movie making industry, how this is like, delayed releases and delayed productions and all like the 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 scope of the landscape of the whole industry is going to change after this like it it has to but i feel Mm -hmm. like i don't know if i'm the only person but like the second i can get out of here i'm going to see everything i freaking can't the fact that my my so to be fair we have season season passes passes. right that's the thing and that helps a lot AMC is one of the first chains to have offered that kind of option too. Mm -hmm. So it's not like they're hurting for like, I mean, they're hurting, like the whole industry is hurting. But I'm just, I'm, I'm just thinking if the season pass model, like their unbearable
0: ticket prices are made more bearable by the season passes. Exactly. The issue has always been, do you want to see it? You have to have a film that you want to see in the theater in the first place, as opposed to something you're idly curious about. You have to have the time to go see it. And then you have to have the inclination to spend that time in a room with other people, which if I'm honest, is the whole reason I'm going to the Alamo and not to AMC. <laughs> and every single of all the non-Alamo theater experiences I've had in the past three years, at least 80% of them have involved disruptive audience members. Just cell phone usage, loud conversations, getting popcorn thrown at me at one point for whatever, getting seat kicked, all, all sorts of bullshit. And the Alamo doesn't take it. And that's why I go there. I have, lately I've only gone to non-Alamo theaters either because I'm going to like an Elvis where it's cheap or because a friend of mine is going somewhere else and says, do you want to come with me? And I'll go, all right, sure. That's where we're going. Other than that, I don't bother anymore. And that's not something the other theaters can control. You know, they can help the ticket price with the season pass situation, but they can't or aren't willing, I guess, to control the other people and and then of course I just have to be willing to commit the time. And as, as the employment shortage gets worse, the number of people in a theater gets to be fewer, the employees that is, so the cleanings between screenings get worse and the conditions just kind of generally deteriorate. And again, I just, if suddenly all the season passes vanished and I had to pay for everything again, and a theater, actually no, you know what? If a theater opened across the street for me and their season pass was a dollar a month, Right. Let's just take away all the barriers. The number of movies I want to endure the public for, for the, the the experience of seeing on a big screen with great sound, still isn't very high. There are still plenty that I would rather see on my fancy S T V here with some nice headphones. You know, it's it's still a fraction of the things that release every year. So assuming that that's true for a lot of people, even though it's not all the same films, you know, I'd rather see the World War One film that just came out, um, 1918. Right. Other people would rather 17. see Marvel. Sure. I mean, 17, thank you. You know, whatever. (laughs) That doesn't change the fact that like, the very presence of something on a streaming environment cuts into ticket sales, and ticket sales are already struggling. And the theaters don't make their money from ticket sales, wink, wink. They make it from concessions, but they get concession sales through ticket sales. So the real question is for the studios, how much money are they truly making from box office sales? How, you know, how quickly can they pivot to other distribution methods? How much money are they making from the other distribution methods? And are they willing to just take the hit now, the short-term hit, as it were, from abandoning theaters and pivot entirely to home distribution? Because the theaters have nothing to lose here. I mean, they can hurt, but they'll live. The theaters, I'm sorry, the studios. The studios have nothing to lose here. The theaters have everything to lose. They're playing with an empty hand, as far as I can tell. Joel, you you want to talk, please? Shout no, I out.
1: was I was wanting to hear from Zeke and Tim because we have kind of been dominating. Just I mean, and this is supposed yeah. to be like the, so, the ending somewhat, segment. So, <laughs> what are you guys thinking about?
2: Um, I don't. Well, I, I don't know. I, so I was thinking. I've seen the. Um, I'm just putting two and two together because I saw some stuff on Twitter just scrolling through one day about um, mm-hmm. Candyman reboot right being affected by that because it's a Universal picture. Um, that's something I'd be interested in seeing in theaters. That's something that'd probably be just as scary at home. Um, so I don't know. I was just trying to think of all the, the universal movies. Uh, because there is something to be said for the theater experience. All the Right, movies. for sure. And then on the other hand, though, I mean, like, you know, if a family of five can pay 20 bucks to rent Trolls 2 and watch it, right, rather than 10 piece or, or, or you know, 10 for the adults, yeah. 6 each kid – and then concession watch it
0: once or they can pay to write in service for 24 hours straight right there are just way too many unknowns and i don't know whether amc is misinterpreting universal statement as hostile mm. or like on purpose or by accident or whether that was really what universal meant but i think that amc knows the, that the writing is on the wall again they they know that they need the studios more than the studios need the theaters and so they're Coming out guns blazing like a cornered dog. Yeah. Um, but speaking of Universal, Fast and Furious is one of their big franchises, and really interestingly, Universal distributes James Bond everywhere except the United States. <laughs> yeah. So when James Bond rolls around, if AMC and Regal are refusing to screen that, they're going to hurt. But Universal is not because Universal doesn't care about the domestic market for bond. They only care about the worldwide market. Right. Universal is going to make every penny they would normally make the AMC and Regal are going to hurt. And then on the other hand, I think it's United Artists distributes in the U S for bond. It's not universal is the point. So are AMC and Regal going to say, well, that's technically not universal. We're going to screen it. Hmm. But then is this the threat carrying teeth? You know, I, I
1: don't know. Tim, what do you think?
3: I mean, I think, you know, like the, the whole discussion of theaters versus streaming has been going on for a while. Um, and it's kind of one of those things where it's like, you know, I, I've i just kind of been like, okay, yeah, it's like, let's see where it goes kind of thing. I mean, I I have very little control over it. So I've kind of had situations <laughs> like that. It's just, you know, and uh, I also have a hard time feeling bad for, for, you know, big corporations and big industries. Like, oh, poor AMC. It's like, you know, Fuck you. I don't care. Like, you know, right. I'm not, not going to feel sorry for you because you're going to lose some money and you're going to, especially if you're going to throw a tantrum like this, you know, so
0: mm-hmm.
3: just right. kind of like, you know, whatever. I've also, I also try not to speculate about stuff just because I don't, uh, I don't understand the world all that well to begin with and just why people do what they do and how to anticipate what people do. So yeah. it always ends up being like, Oh, I think, you know, some, like I'll think of something that I think makes sense and no one else does that. It's like, Oh, okay. So i the opposite mm-hmm. direction. So, shouldn't have tried to predict what I think was gonna happen because or maybe yeah. I should predict do that and then do the
0: opposite, you know. You're,
3: you're, you're,
0: you're, you're, you're yeah, so. and it's I mean, it's like I said, if push comes to shove and suddenly Universal isn't allowed to show movies in theaters anymore, just from any theater, to say they all decide not to show Universal films, Universal will hurt. You know, that revenue will hurt, there will be layoffs, they'll have to backpedal on some projects, they'll shrink. But they'll keep making movies like Trolls and Fast and Furious and et cetera. And they'll keep releasing them just on Netflix or Amazon or whatever. And then people will keep seeing them because there's nowhere else to see them. Right. So like, they'll, I feel like they'll for
1: leave. me, like with all of this stuff, it's, it's just, I'm so desperate for social interaction. Like yeah. I'm discovering how much of a social butterfly I actually am. Like the second I can go see a movie in a theater, regardless of where it is. Like I love Alamo and I, I hate mm-hmm. that my season pass is atrophying and not being like, they suspended it because they they're not showing anything right. but like the second i could go see a movie i'm gonna see it doesn't matter what yeah. it is i just want to go yeah. and sit in a the theater and eat popcorn and watch a movie with other people like i i don't care if there's talking like just the things that you're nostalgic for in this just yeah. even to be frustrated the anxiety of hearing somebody talking over there like would just feel so normal by comparison <laughs> you know like uh, that that's just my what i found interesting about the topic wasn't less kind of like the industry side of it but just like the social construct of going to the movies versus streaming like that mm-hmm. that's something i've right. always valued and that's and really never going to be replicated in the home I don't think. right I, unless so, we have big homes with lots of money <laughs> but right and enough people to fill the seats. so
0: <laughs> true so yeah uh, I, there's something to be said for that but i will have to see i you know I wouldn't be terribly surprised, honestly, if this whole situation gets resolved before the stay-at-home orders get lifted, right. because the executives from both sides are constantly talking to each other.
1: I'm sure. Right. I'm sure tensions are high, and that was not. Right. <laughs> that was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tweet it back. Watch me tweet it back, like <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: But the thing is, if, like I said, just getting so angry feels
1: like a miscalculation
0: on AMC's part, right. because if the theaters were to just vanish into thin air tomorrow the studios would go on if the studios were to vanish into thin air tomorrow the theaters would not you know what i mean
1: right so i don't know we'll see all righty we should probably wrap this yeah, up so zeke up. and i can eat <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because there's <right>. no pizza
0: <laughs> me too. thank you all for joining me and thank you listeners for tolerating our quarantine episode yeah. hopefully the sound quality is good and you are actually listening to this
1: for, um, from my end it seems to be coming through all right so yeah, I, I don't think good. there should be too many edit points we had a, a few talking over I think we did all right mutant mics seemed to help so I think, I think this is sustainable if we need to do it again so. excellent so we have an emergency
0: plan yeah we have a really nice discussion episode that went really well I liked hearing about what y'all were watching yeah. great. Um, thank you all for joining us and thank you listeners I hope hope you three my fellow hosts and i, I hope all my listeners as well i hope we are all staying safe and healthy and not losing our minds <laughs> <laughs> hopefully our podcast helped with that instead of made it worse right <laughs> yes yeah, so, um until next time listeners thanks for joining us good night bye
2: bye wash your fucking hands <laughs> <laughs> <That's awesome. laughs>
0: Hey listeners, we appreciate you tuning in for our podcast. We're now available on iTunes if you'd like to check us out there. and be glad to have you subscribe. We'd also love to hear your feedback, whether it's a comment, review or anything else. You can reach us all through our official Nerds that Geek emails which you can find on the bio page at nerdslotgeek.com. If you want to find us on social media, I'm on Instagram at scott underscore w underscore murray or on Twitter at scott MNTG.
1: And I'm on Instagram and Twitter at Joel T18 and I'm on Twitter at nerds that Zeke.
3: and on Instagram I'm the tim Girard,
0: and on Twitter I'm at tim gerard.
2: Thanks so much for tuning in. We hope you'll come back for more.
0: <laughs>